That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a rewatch podcast for Zack Snyder's Dawn of Justice. We have arrived at minute 32. We are getting to know Lex Luthor, or I guess depending on the animated series, it's Luthor, right? They make a point um, of saying Luthor. Yeah, well, I think some people in, I think a few people in the movie say Luthor. I think uh, Perry White might say it, or Alfred. We learned about Lex's silver bullet, or green little rock. He is unveiled in the most ostentatious way possible, attempted to sell Senators Finch and Barrows on an import license that we can only assume he absolutely does not need, and is going to wrap up this minute, I guess, making his real move. Not only does he not need it, but looking at his plan, he actually wanted to get rejected because he needs to lure... He can't be the person... Well, he doesn't want it. That's the thing, right? Like, well, he can't. He can't arrange for Batman to steal it. Well, at least not as easily if he acquires it like through legal means, right? So, if yeah. He, like, if he transported it properly, who knows? Maybe, maybe Batman would have a different way of getting it. But um, having Batman on the docks, shooting people and running into Superman feels like something that he was trying to make happen. And that only happens if he has to smuggle it in yeah. because he doesn't have an import license. But I mean, to make that work for it to even pop onto Batman's radar, he would need to like have it shipped into the country on a boat with a name that's been passed around the underground of Gotham Yeah, as a sign of some major threat that's coming in. We'll, we'll get to that eventually, I guess. Back to Lex Luthor in the lab. You don't have to use a silver bullet, but if you forge one, well then... We don't have to depend upon the kindness of monsters. We kind of left with him saying, I guess he gets a little bit of pushback that says, well, Zod is dead. And Zod was clearly the, the person that we would have used it on. And he says there will be more. And Senator Finch proposes what I suppose is an idea that Lex has already famously put forward, the metahuman thesis. That's another of those of those interesting sort of terrioisms that they speak it as a thing that exists, but they don't explain what it is. But it's kind of self-explanatory also. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it feels like an in-universe explanation for... Is that something that, that Lex has written on? We know that he's collecting information on metahumans. Exactly. Or is it like a, you know, we know Neil deGrasse Tyson is is a character in this universe, <laughs> right? So is that like something that he put forward? Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a, a, a talking point enough that she can name drop it and and they all know what each other are talking about. Yeah, and that I guess Lex's reputation is is as an intelligent enough person to know that offhand. For yeah. for her to know that that's what he's driving at. The metahuman thesis I guess is a it's a it's a nice sounding bit of dialogue that just means like hey, if this is possible for one guy it's probably yeah. plausible that other people around the world are doing things and we just yeah. are finding different excuses for it. Yeah, if a humanoid biological entity is capable of doing this, yeah. you know, why can't? We should really look at that story of Hercules differently. Yeah. If suddenly a, a person flying around and lifting entire mountains is plausible, then, you know, I guess we know at this point he already knows that is happening, so it, it speaks to his conviction for for what he's doing here. Yeah, well, and he's keeping it under wraps. Well, and per, like, Suicide Squad exists, so maybe the, it is more well-known that this, you know, this is a... um Yeah. 
I think it's clear in this universe that there's something, not just like, you know, flashes around, but there's a prison that's got like Killer Croc in it yeah. somewhere, right? Amanda Waller has files. Lex has files. Yeah. Uh, El Diablo exists in this universe. Uh, Enchantress exists in this universe. Yeah. So, like, somebody knows, and maybe even Finch knows. And, yeah. um, and Finch so this strikes could even... me as somebody who is too, too good at their job to be let in on those secrets. Yeah. Where they, yeah, they don't, they don't, nobody talks to them on the schoolyard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I could very much buy that. But she does know about the metahuman thesis, which I just love that as a, a line that infers so much just by existing without them having to explain it. Although he does, he does riff on it a little bit uh, immediately after that. Yeah. Um, which leads into the, the continuation of the, well, you don't have to use a silver bullet, but if you have one, then uh, you don't have to depend on the kindness of monsters. Yeah, that that stands out as worth calling out to me. It's obviously a play on, I guess I would assume most people who see the movie wouldn't know what that's from. They would know it from being referenced by itself that de- always depend on the kindness of strangers, which is funny to me to be brought up here because it's another case of Lex using just like a, a meme almost or a, a cultural shorthand when that line is the last word spoken by Blanche Dubois in A Streetcar Named Desire, and she is saying it to a man who is coming to take her to an asylum because she's had a complete mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> He's choosing these words without any self-aware realization of where it's coming from. Yeah. That she has completely lost perspective. Clearly, so has he. Or, mm. or at least we are now led to believe that. If you even give like two more seconds thought about the thing that he's saying, yeah, that that line stands out for me as, but I guess that kind of ended the meeting. So Finch was unimpressed or did not yeah. want to spend time talking about literally weaponizing something that would kill. That is not why she's having these hearings. <laughs> well, especially, yeah, especially when she's talking about, like, of all people, I think she knows, A, this is this is a problematic road to go down, but B, she's got to be like, get me out of this room. I am, like, responsible for these hearings. If it gets out that I had a secret meeting with Lex Luthor in which we discussed a way to kill Superman, uh, that kind of puts a target on on her head. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I also I like the the streetcar named Desire pullout, and that I think that that was probably more intentional. It's not. It's not the most compelling case. Which kind of what you were saying before, like that's the big ask that is almost guaranteed to be turned down. You're, yeah. I don't know. That's a weird relationship that he wants to strike with Superman. Of he will. You know, now now God bends to my will, I guess, is the whole, that's yeah. his whole thing. He's a messed up guy, even though he is trying, like, even his efforts to try really hard to, sh- to claim that he isn't, it is coming through all over the place. From that, uh, his, his points and his findings have not sold Senator Finch, but they have piqued the interest of Senator Barrows, who tells him that they can come to an arrangement. They could, they can help each other out. Picks up a jar of Jolly Ranchers, which we'll, we will see how that goes eventually. I think that all that happens in this minute is the senator asks him what he wants in exchange, which is weird because it kind of implies that, like, this senator is totally down for this. Like, you, you kind of alluded to before. Like, he's he's more on board. We don't know enough about his history or his relationship to Finch or the or the hearings, but I've got to imagine that him and Finch were both invited intentionally obviously intentionally but yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's an intentionality behind it of i imagine like finch was invited because she's the one that like if he's going to meet with a senator on this topic it would be her 
like, but like this is like this is going to be under her purview in some way anyway. Yeah. But then Barrows is there because he knows he's the one that will strike a deal. Exactly. So it's like Finch is there for posterity or for like for yeah to be above board. But Barrows is there because he's the one that's actually gonna get gonna get the deal done. All Lex says that he wants is access to the Kryptonian ship, which is admittedly not a big ask. Yeah, well, and you've got to imagine, I'm very curious what Lex has been able to learn about Kryptonite, or about Krypton and Kryptonians, because he's been studying all this stuff, and he's found the rock, and he knows how it interacts with Superman, and I really get the impression that he knows what's on the ship already. Mm -hmm. It's like he's got a key and he does, and he wants to know what it unlocks. Like he knows yep. where it plugs in, and he's anxious to to hear that motor run. It's like he's seen half the puzzle, and he's smart enough to yep. know what the other half looks like. That's where we end this minute. So yeah, it <laughs> um, does my favorite thing here also, where we we end. I guess it maybe it's technically the beginning of the next minute, but it's it's another clean transition into like right on the beat yeah. of his theme. Jumps into this next segment, which I'm gonna have fun talking about that one. We can save that for. For next episode, but I love, as always, the clear transition between minutes. It's a good wrap up for Lex. He he has gotten what he wanted. The next minute may be the first time where it actually doesn't include that much to talk about, but may also be my favorite Lex Luthor minute of this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. So people have that to look forward to. But until then, I want Zod's body too. are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if I air. Hmm.